Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to NJSBA's Blog Talk Radio program, Conversations on New Jersey Education, a show dedicated to creating a conversation among those of us in the education community and beyond on the important education issues of the day, a conversation that brings the state leaders to you and educational leaders to you, and I hope that you all feel free to join us in the conversation. My name is Ray Penny, and I'll be your host this morning. Today, as usual, we will take in your calls if you have any to ask questions, and we also have our chat room open. I hope you feel free to use either one of these vehicles. Kurt, will you explain uh, how we take questions? Sure, Ray. To call in, dial 1-347-989-8904. When you are ready to make a comment or ask a question, press 1. That will indicate on my switchboard that you are ready to ask a question. I'll get your name and your question or topic. Also, if you are on the phone line, I will ask you to turn down the volume on your computer and only listen on the phone since there will be a delay and it is confusing. If you are just listening on your computer, we do have a chat room feature that you can log on to. We will be monitoring the chat room and will pass on some of the comments or questions on to our speakers. To log on to the chat room, you will need to register with Blog Talk Radio. Thanks, Kurt. Uh, school safety and security is not really a new issue. Uh, since Columbine and 9-11, school safety took on prominence in our school districts, particularly in New Jersey. Uh, but since the shooting in Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut, we are all re-examining uh, our procedures because, as we saw, Newtown had some good procedures, but there was still uh, a, a, a catastrophe there. Last week, we had a school principal and business administrator discuss some of the first steps their district took to secure their buildings actually uh, a couple of years ago. Today we're going to focus on communication issues as well as the school police partnership, which is very important in school safety and not, I think, just for school school shootings or incidents of that. I think they're important all around. With us today is Ray Huduka, President of the New Jersey State Association Chiefs of Police and Police Chief in the District the Town of South Brunswick. Welcome, Chief Huduka. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, we also have with us from South Brunswick the school superintendent, Dr. Gary McCartney. Welcome, Gary. Thank you, Ray. And finally, uh, but not least, we also have Mark Miller, VP for Educational Technology at Nixle Corporation. Welcome, Mark. Good morning, Ray. And uh, I add you're also a school board member uh, in Pennsylvania. Actually, I am in, in Pennsylvania. Uh, before I get started on, on the issues, um, Dr. McCartney, could you just explain the size of your school district? Sure. We're a K-12 student, uh, a 9,000 student district. Uh, we're 42 square miles of high expectation. We have nine elementaries, two middle schools, and one high school. Okay. And uh, Chief Haduka, uh besides the school district, uh, what's the size of the town and your police force, and do you have industry and other things in the community? Yes, we're a very diverse community. We're 42 square miles, as Dr. McCartney said. Uh, I have 73 sworn officers, approximately 25 civilians. Uh, we have uh, 45,000 residents, we estimate at. There's well over 100,000 people during the day, and we handle over 60,000 calls a year for service. Wow. Uh, and, Mark, uh, explain what Nixville does and how you're involved with uh School, uh, schools and also uh, police departments? Well, I, I head up the education division for Nixle, and we like to say that 
we're, we're available for one day, as we were two weeks ago for the president's inauguration in Washington, uh, where we had a, over a million people on that one-day event. We're available every day for communication, and part of that uh, would involve uh, serving the school's needs through public safety and through the police department. And we also are, are standing by for the one day we hope never comes, but we plan for it. Okay, thank you. Um, all right, uh, there's been a lot of since the incident in Newtown. There's been a lot of uh, conversation among the community and school districts and the police departments about what we can do to improve. Uh, Chief uh, Heduka, um what's your police department's basic procedure for the schools, and how do you uh, monitor them on patrol? Well, for our schools, we have a full-time school resource officer assigned to the high school. In addition, we have uh, a required directive where officers have to patrol all of the schools. For example, every shift, including midnight, holidays, weekend, an officer has to physically check the school or stop in if it's open. Uh, last year, there was over 2,000 incidents, well, checks at the schools where an officer actually checked in. In addition, we drill with the schools. Uh, the schools are required to have a certain number of drills per year. We're always notified, and we always respond to observe and participate. Uh, Dr. McCartney, when I was a kid growing up in school, if the police officer came into school, I mean, the whispers started that there must be something going on. Uh, is, is, that, is there a difference now? Because it seems now that you have uh, police in your schools on a fairly regular basis. Uh, and I know we used to have student resource officers quite often, but is there? do the students view police differently now than we did it as kids? I, I think that's a pretty fair say, uh, statement. Um, we have, as, as Chief Aduka said, uh, a school resource officer in the high school, but Chief has uh, an officer that teaches the SAFE curriculum, which is uh, an elementary curriculum that helps youngsters remain safe. And the byproduct of that is that they interface with the officer. They begin to understand that police officers are people and they have the student's best interest in mind, but they're also friendly and courteous and somebody that you can talk to. Uh, in this community, they do a national night out every year, and it's an opportunity for uh, the police to interface with an entire community and present themselves in a lot of different ways with lots of different programs. Uh, we have our school events. We have police officers who are parents. So I think your basic statement of uh, police being seen differently today than maybe years ago, I think, is a, a real accurate statement. So it's Ray, a, if I could... Yeah, okay, Mark. Well, I didn't want to cut Dr. McCartney off. I, I thought he was finished. No, you only cut me off, but that's okay. <laughs> Okay, I, I just wanted to add from, you know, perception is everything. And my school district has three townships involved. And one of the townships got a new police officer. As soon as he started, he visited the schools. And the first thing he asked the principal of one of the schools in his township is, you know, when my officers are visiting a building, please don't ask them to park and back. We want the community to know we're here, we're watching, and we're taking care of their, their children. And we have changed the uh, tempo throughout the entire district to reflect that. We we are uh, partners in safety, and we want to show it whenever we can. Uh, Chief, uh, and probably for some of our listeners, uh, the role of us, 
and sometimes we use the term SRO, but student resource officer, that's different than having a patrol. Could you explain what that what the difference of the student resource officer is? Well, the actual name is a school resource officer, hmm. and it's the school resource officer is usually a sworn police officer who works based on a triad concept. He performs law enforcement and security functions. He's a teacher. He actually goes into the classroom and teaches a wide range of subjects, from search and seizure to uh, safety lessons. It could be uh, anything that is uh, uh, related to technology, Facebook safety, and he's a counselor. A lot of times the officer will uh, counsel students in issues such as bullying or if they're being harassed. He's a, a very good mediator. Uh, his primary function is not just one area. He has three things that he can do. It's based on the triad concept. Now, I do know some school districts, very few, hired uh, a school resource officer, a, a retired officer, to do those those issues. But it's uh, our position from the New Jersey State Chiefs that a school resource officer should be a sworn police officer. And mostly they're in middle and high schools. They're not too often in the elementary school, from my experience, are they? Occasionally they are, but more it's uh, in the high school or the middle school, or they have some responsibility where they uh, make appearances at these schools. And uh, one more question for you, Chief. Uh, with, now, there's been some talk since Newtown that we should have a, a police officer in the schools all the time. Would you favor something like that, or do you think what you're doing now is su sufficient? I wouldn't be opposed to it, but there's clearly a funding issue. Um, mm -hmm. You can't have the full-time police officer in the school. I think you have to work on things such as targeting, and targeting, uh, communications with your school officials, the parents, uh, improving security measures, and being vigilant. Okay, and uh, Dr. McCartney, do you see uh, – you have a good program, obviously, and we'll discuss it a little bit more in detail, but you, do you think there's a need to have the police officers are all the time, or is, is what you're doing now uh, – You know, I think Chief Hayduka makes a good point. Fiscally, it's – financially, it's very hard to do because uh, he's got other areas that he has to worry about in town. Most of us, especially those of us who are uh, managing schools, uh, know that you can't live in the world of absolutes, never, always. So we're, we'd never want to be without a police officer. We recognize that we're not going to always have uh, officers. So what I think that schools and police chiefs need to do is develop a relationship that finds that middle ground. And that is how do we create an environment in which police are in, around, and about our buildings in such a way that it promotes safe practice and safe behavior. All right. It looks like the communication between the two entities is important. Uh, Mark, with, with some of the things that uh, I know your corporation does, and there's other corporations like that, but it's, it's a, in, a, a new uh I guess a new uh, technology that we haven't used 15 years ago. Well, the chief hit the nail on the head with the uh, word vigilance, and that's where we can help. One of the features of Nixle is an anonymous tipping service. 
and any subscriber to the system, or for that matter, anyone who's aware of the system and knows how to log in or, or to sign on, can, if, if they observe something that the school resource officer ideally would have seen, they can let the district know or let the police know what they've seen, and action can be taken. Okay. Uh, Just to talk about Nixle briefly, uh, I find that to be one of the best tools that we have in South Brunswick. We have over 10,000 people registered to Nixle. We put out messages all the time. If it's a stranger alert, uh, a possible luring case in the school district to weather alerts uh, during the storm. It's it's a valuable tool. It uh, doesn't cost a lot, and it's just a great benefit for community. Dr. McCartney, can I ask you if you if you know what percentage of your population have students in your district? Uh, probably less than thirty percent. Okay, and that's that's not uncommon across the country. In fact, my district is closer to twenty percent. And one of the things we like about the partnership between Nixle, the school district, the police department, and public safety is that it gives the other. 70% in your district or 80% in my area, an opportunity to be part of a single communication system so that if somebody not in your schools sees something, that you know, they drive by the school and see a car that's been sitting there for two hours, they can become involved and they can let somebody know. And similarly, in the day-to-day -day activities of the schools, school district may want to let the community members know something that's taking place in one of the schools or in the entire district, and this is a way for those community members to be tapped into what's happening. So what you're saying is uh, normally if a school only sent out a, 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 a some type of communication, it only goes to the 20 to 30 percent, depending on the, the school district that are involved with the school district, uh, so that if you both of you are working together, you're getting the communication out to a, a larger percentage of the community. Sure. These days, it costs a lot of money for a school district to send a newsletter or even a postcard to every home in the district. So electronic communications becomes very important in getting the word out on any type of an event, especially one that can be promoted in advance. Um, uh, I'm going to switch gears, but I want to get back to the communication piece a little bit. Uh, you know, there's been a big debate uh, – since Newtown about whether having armed guards, security guards, um, retired police officers uh, in the building. Uh, Chief, what's the police chief's view on this? Well, it's my personal view and the view of the New Jersey State Association's Chiefs of Police that it should be a law enforcement officer. The only one with a firearm that should be in that school should be under the control and authority of the police chief. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. I know some people are advocating for retired law enforcement officers. problem with that is they can't carry the same capacity uh, round that we have in our magazine. Uh, they're not mandated to have the updated training that we that we have. Uh, also, if it's some security company, there are some very reputable ones out there, but they're not required to have the extensive background check and the psychological exams that police officers have. Uh, you could, uh, we also, um, there's no arrest powers. Uh, they're not required to have the up-to-date training on the use of force and active shooter tactics. Uh, they're not privy to the police procedures. 
in the, and it's up to the school, obviously, they can give them their procedures. But once again, they know if they're giving our police officers their policies that need to be confidential, we're obligated to keep them that way. You know, they can't, a security guard can't detain or frisk a suspicious subject. In reality, they have no more power than any citizen, except that they're, they're allowed to carry a firearm and do provide security. I'm not opposed to armed security in non-school settings, but I just don't think it's conducive to a good learning environment. Uh, the most important part is when you have the SRO concept in the school, the officer's fostering relationships. He's required to do so. He's not just providing security. And in addition, any either it's law enforcement or the armed guard, it provides us a full sense of security. For example, the size of South Brunswick alone, if we didn't have security measures, uh, it wouldn't do us any good to even have the police officer. The size of the campus alone, if we get a first aid call in the school, quite often mm -hmm. the district car will beat the SRO to the call just by the sheer, sheer volume of the school. You know, our, our response time is less than four minutes. So, And these are things that uh, that are uh, we feel are very important and very strongly about. And another key piece is the communications. I can't give a, a private security firm my radio mm -hmm. communications. Now, if my police officer, not only does he have access to every police officer working, he has access to dispatch. We could have mutual aid. I can, I can assure you, I, within 10 minutes, I could probably have three to four towns at South Brunswick High School in order to respond to something. Uh, I just don't think armed security has that ability. You bring up some very interesting points. We're talking with uh, uh, Chief Ray Hiduka from uh, South Brunswick and also the state president, uh, Dr. Gary McCartney, Superintendent of South Brunswick, and Mark Miller, uh, VP for Educational Technology at uh, Nixle. If you have a question, or uh, you can either type it in in the chat room and uh, Kurt will get it, or you can call 1-347-989-8904 and just press 1. Uh, you know, it seems like you have a, a partnership here in terms of communication. Dr. McCartney, how does, how does that start? I mean, how did you start to build that communication uh, well, with the police I, department? I got here nine years ago uh, uh, as superintendent, and one of the first opportunities I had, uh, I was invited over to the police department, and, and I got to interface with the police. When, when Ray became the police chief, uh, we really spent uh, lots of time talking about issues of common interest. And he and I and Deputy Chief Hughes uh, have regular meetings uh, where we talk about all the kinds of concerns and, and scenarios that we need to, uh, to consider for protection of kids or for uh, events that we're going to have that may need a police presence, uh, even if it's just for... Uh, handling traffic or uh, normal flow of business. So uh, I think it always begins with a, a relationship, and I think that when two people are committed uh, to working together, that almost anything is possible. And I'm, I feel very fortunate that uh, uh, Chief A. Duca feels the same way about that, and I believe that the benefactors are all the members of our community and our students. So you started. So this is a regular. It's a part of the process. It's not a once once a year that you discuss this. You're always having conversations and 
discussing situations. Uh, we meet we every week, right? We sometimes sometimes on the weekend. I have to call them and let them know what's going on in town. Uh, the uniform school memorandum. We have a. You have to have communications with your school officials and, and law enforcement. Uh, and the, the only downside is that Gary's a uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fan and I'm a Giants fan. <laughs> well, you argue about that. <laughs> well, neither one of you had the perfect year this year, so uh, you can share each other's misery. Um, now, if an incident does occur, Dr. McCartney, uh, who can communicate with the police? I mean, if there's an emergency, and I, um, the, you know, if I'm a teacher and I see something, do I call the principal and the principal call? Is do you have a procedure for that? Absolutely. Uh, we we just had a an incident where we had someone breach our security unknowingly. Uh, this was a parent who didn't realize that. Uh, uh, that that he was breaching security. He came in through the door on the coattail of somebody who had buzzed in. Uh, and as soon as the uh, person who was working the camera noted that the person didn't report where he should have, she notified the principal. The principal did a quick look. When, when they didn't see the person, within three or four minutes, the police were called, and the response was immediate. Uh, we did... Uh, a building search uh, with all the responding officers, and the whole thing unfolded until it was solved. It took a couple of hours to, to get to the bottom of it, but we sequestered a few students who were already in the building. We kept others on buses. So the, the protocol was clear. Uh, we knew, our, our principal knew, the teacher knew exactly what to do, and we've been going through incident command training with all our staff. We've had several cycles of that over the last several years, and so the principal knew exactly what to do uh, and prepare for uh, the arrival of all the police. Now, in that instance, um, uh, Chief, you, you mentioned that you, your police stop at the schools regularly. Uh, is that important because uh, it's some, the schools are big, so if you need to go somewhere, uh, you know where the auditorium is? Uh, is that part of the process that your police officers have to go through? Yes, it's, and it's part of the protocol that Dr. McCartney and I work together and set up. We have we call them walking tours. Uh, we have shifts that overlap. The supervisor is required to take his entire squad to the school and walk around. Once a, they have to hit at least one school a month, so they are very familiar with it. Uh, it's becoming just normal now to see the police cars there. For example, there, you know, my whole uh, uh, midnight shift and part of the day shift were walking the high school the other day. There were six uh, police cars there. And I do get some calls, what's going on with, the, with that amount of police cars. It's very normal for them to see one. And I just, I very clearly explained, we are doing a walking tour. It's a big school. They need to be familiar with it. It's just something Dr. McCartney and I had come up with in, uh, I believe, in our September meeting or October meeting. I have the notes. The officers have to be very familiar with the schools. Uh, that looks like a good practice for everyone because I, I go to meetings, I go to schools a lot, and, you know, if you haven't been in the building, they're not all laid out exactly the same. And it could it could be a waste of time going down the wrong hall, I guess, if, if there's an emergency. If I tell someone to go to the south cafeteria, they know exactly where it is. That's the important part. And it doesn't cost anything. It's it, What it is is it's just training. 
and familiarization. You know, that, that training aspect is so important. I was at a conference at the end of January where uh, the executive director from Connecticut State School Boards Association was there, and as, as horrible as the event was in Newtown, everyone close to that event has acknowledged that the training the teachers and faculty and staff went through just weeks before that event helped save lives. That person who came in the building was intending to do so much more damage than that actually happened. So the, the training was a factor in limiting the damage to to only the 26 fatalities compared to where he was going. And the next generation of Nixle works with the school district and the police department when they come up with a plan for an event like that. It's not something that can be made public because you don't want a potential intruder to know where the deterrence and where the delays are going to be. But the Nixle uh, solution is what we call the big red button. And because every school district, every police department, and every situation is going to be different, once they draw up their plan, wherever they want to use Nixle to notify one person or a group of people or everyone, they can put that plan together, Nixle will engineer it, and when the button needs to be pushed, they can go to that plan to make it happen. Uh, they can have one plan for each building in the district. They can have one for the entire district. It might, it might not be a, uh, a threat to the buildings. It might be something that's happening in the community, like Hurricane Sandy. But those plans can be put into place in advance so that they're there to be used when necessary. Uh, that's a good point because it seems like you have to have the communication between the school district and the police department, but you need some tools to help that with those plans. Uh, Dr. McCarty, I want to go back. When you talked about that incident and a parent kind of inadvertently going through, do you have a security system where so only one person can come in through the door at a time? Yes, we use the uh, camera buzzer system so that a person comes up and rings the buzzer. Uh, they're viewed on a monitor. Uh, they're asked to identify themselves and their purpose in visiting the school. And the person can be buzzed in if uh, they have legitimate purpose, and you know, such as being a parent uh, or picking a youngster up from a program. Uh, one of the pitfalls uh, of this particular uh, security measure is that if somebody walks up behind the person buzzing and then the person that gets buzzed in allows that person to come in on their coattails, you wouldn't necessarily know who that person is. And, and we've stressed to parents, and we'll continue to do that, that uh, you need to pull the door closed once you go in and not allow anyone else to get in. Uh, or if you feel uncomfortable doing that, and somebody walks up behind you, just excuse yourself and allow them to go first and, and buzz uh, so that they've been identified. Ironically, yesterday, uh, I was at the high school. Uh, we were doing a perimeter assessment uh, of, of our buildings. It's an ongoing uh, piece that we're doing in conjunction with the police department. And we watched a woman walk up to the door with her daughter uh, in front of the high school. Uh, we were about 25 yards away. And I saw a gentleman walking up after uh, her, and he had something that he wanted to deliver. And so she buzzed. He caught up just as the door was opening. She walked in and turned around, said something to him, and pulled the door closed. 
And when she came out, we applauded her. <laughs> uh, and, and there was a police officer with us. She had no idea we were watching because we were intent on some other business. But I wondered exactly what would happen. So it talks a lot about the readiness and the awareness that, that parents and visitors have. And, and we're hopeful that everybody uh, will, will help us make that a secure protocol. So you're talking about educating the, the community to a large degree, too, the parent, in particular the parents. Absolutely. Because I know parents, look, I was a parent, and I try to, when we had the buzzer, I, I would try to sneak in, you know, because you always seem to be in a hurry. Uh, and sometimes you know the people there. But is that one of the big changes, since maybe since Newtown, that people are more vigilant about uh, these security measures and they understand them more? I think that vigilance is, is probably what's going on. I think most people are looking at Sandy Hook and saying, oh, my heavens, that could happen here. Maybe before Sandy Hook, people thought it's something you only read about. But, but the nature of what happened at Sandy Hook, the age of the children, I think most people have internalized that and said, we need to do our part. And quite frankly, the chain always breaks at the weakest link. And so... If if you as a parent just decide I'll be courteous and hold the door open, while it might seem like a nice gesture, you could be allowing somebody to get into school that shouldn't get in. Okay, so chivalry is dead when people are entering the school. Um, uh, let's go. But you discussed the perimeter uh, of the situation, and we we're, we're always talking about the entrance to the building. Uh, do you have security cameras? We do. We, uh, we were doing a perimeter study, Ray. Uh, Chief A. Duke had talked earlier about our regular meetings, and I talked about our regular meetings. One of the things we talked about uh, back in September was uh, we were approaching the four-year mark of our last perimeter assessment. That's where we walk our building grounds uh, looking at any and all vulnerabilities that uh, might be incumbent with, with the building. And so we we decided it was time to do that anew. And so we just, as a matter of fact, we just completed that work uh, on Thursday, yesterday. So, Chief, uh, who who participates in that perimeter walk? You have uh, several officers go around with some school personnel, the principal or something. I have an officer that is trained to do security assessments, and he writes and a full report. He's outstanding. Dr. McCarty himself walks with them. The principal of the school walks the perimeter, and they, he gives his expert opinion on what needs to be done and how to improve it. And the officer, he's up, his training is updated. As time goes on, technology changes, and believe it or not, the price of the technology has come down. Sometimes these things require technology. Sometimes it's just a simple fix, such as uh, there was an area, I remember, I believe it was Greenbrook School, where it was very easeable, easy to uh, access the roof. And it was, you know, a, an attractive nuisance for kids, or it could have been an attractive nuisance for an intruder to get it. It was just very simple with the maintenance staff was able to make an adjustment there to uh, eliminate that problem. Sometimes it's just a separate set of eyes looking at any potential issues. Um, uh, uh, there was one other... Uh Thing that Dr. McCartney had, had brought up. <coughs> oh, uh, do you have to train your talk to your staff at the beginning of every year, or how do you deal, train your staff in terms of security, particularly newer staff members who come in? 
as you know, Ray, uh, through uh, the memorandum of understand uh, agreement that we have uh, with the uh, county as well as the, the police and the Homeland Security folks, we have designated uh, a number of security drills that are to be done. They've been legislated into our training package. So we train staff on a regular basis, and then we conduct drills. And the drills are for the whole range, be it lockdown, lockout, shelter in place, bomb threats, active shooter. Uh, we're carrying out drills uh, for those things on a monthly basis. So everybody that's new is, is part of that training process. What we want is that in the event of an emergency, that everybody knows what it is they have to do and can carry out their responsibilities in as quick a, and efficient manner as possible. Also, uh, Ray, uh, Dr. McCartney has my officers in to conduct incident command training mm -hmm. every year in the beginning of the year for the principals and key staff members. And just for those who aren't familiar with the incident command system, best way to describe it, it's a management tool. It's a systematic tool. It's used for command control and just coordination of emergency response. It's tied into the National Incident, Man uh, incident uh, Management System. Uh, it's really, it's a, it's a flexible so, uh, response so an organization can have a, it's a common framework which people can work together effectively. For example, if an incident occurs, regardless if it's criminal in nature, an emergency response, the principal's in charge of the incident until he could turn it over to law enforcement. And they're part of the system, even as the uh, incident is evolving. They would be right there with in, in the command post, assisting in the decision-making. I, I think every school should, change, should train their administrative staff and key personnel in the incident command system, and Dr. McCartney has been a great advocate of that. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Uh, Mark, uh with the MOU, I think you uh, mentioned to me that you, you, Nixle can help in that area. We stand by to be called on. So what, there, there may be incidents where we don't become involved at all. There may be incidents where it's important for us to, uh, for for the school and the police department, to notify parents, you know, don't come to the building. Go to the giant shopping center or you know, anything that they want to build into their program, Nixle can carry out because we've pre-planned the, the dissemination of that information. Uh, my school district is eight square miles and has 6,200 students. That's quite a different scenario than South Brunswick if they have 9,000 students and 45,000 square miles. Uh, and, and we have seven buildings in those eight square miles, so you can imagine what happens if everybody would try to come to one building when the police are trying to protect everybody in that neighborhood or everybody in the building or eliminate a threat. So we're we're looking to take direction from the school and from its police department when we jump into service. Because I guess the... I don't want to say customized, but I guess it is. Every response will be different depending on the, the, the school district size and the school buildings and the age of the buildings and things of that sort. So it, it has to be customized for each district. That's where the big red button is different than, say,
sending home a notice that schools are going to be dismissed at 3 o'clock today, which is also something that the school district would use Nixle for if they want. Well, I know I have kids in school, and someone mentioned what do they get in their backpack nowadays. And I said, I don't know if I've ever gotten anything in the backpack in years because uh, I think all the te- all the communication is pretty much electronic and directly to the parents. Um I want to talk about one other thing uh, that I know comes up every once in a while, and that's the climate in the school, Dr. McCartney. Uh, you know, we're kind of focusing because of Newtown on, uh, you know, the external person coming in. Uh, but I think we probably uh, need to focus a little bit on the internal climate in the school in the schools uh, because, the, you know, the threat can come from within and, Usually, a lot of times it does come from someone who has a connection to the school. To the school. Uh, is there anything that your district does to work on the school climate? Sure. Uh, first of all, every one of our students wears an ID badge, so everybody knows who should be there and who shouldn't be there. Uh, your point about uh, sometimes the problem starts from within uh, is true, that in many of the shootings across the nation, uh, it took place because of a, a student who felt they had been on the receiving end of bullying or whatever. Obviously, here in New Jersey, we have the HIB law. We've worked really hard. We've seen numbers come way down since the HIB training started in terms of incidents of of bullying. But we've also heightened the sensitivity towards behavior that could lead to problems. And so, in effect, we've basically got all our teachers and all our youngsters willing to report if they see something that is amiss. And so we believe that that kind of school climate where you get everybody looking for something that could go wrong and reporting it as an important element of protecting the safe climate of everybody in the building. Great point, Dr. McCartney. Uh, the You know, 30% of violence in schools can be attributed to bullying, yet more than 60% of bullying never gets reported. And that's why Nixel, many school districts refer to our tipping service as anonymous bully reporting instead of anonymous tip reporting. And where that's in place, knowing that a cell phone, desktop computer, laptop computer, telephone, anything can be used anonymously to report bullying going on, and it's a two-way system so that once it's reported, even though the the tipper is anonymous, the school district or the police department can still communicate with them through a blind interface. It, it just works. So, you know, we're re- reporting is important. We're trying to cut it off before it's a reportable incident. And so it's probably sometimes easier for them to... Uh Mark, to report something because it's one thing to tell maybe one of your teachers, another thing to say, I think I saw something, but I'm kind of embarrassed. I don't want anyone to know. So this offers them the opportunity to inform the authorities without their fellow students knowing. Right. They they can call and, and give the information. They can send a text message. They can send an email. They can sign online and enter it on online. Uh, you know, there, any way you can communicate electronically, Nixle has a resource for it. Uh, Chief, uh, you know, we're kind of coming full circle uh, on the school resource officer. Um, that was one of the ben- – now, I know we don't have as many of them as we used to because there was a grant for that and funding. 
that uh, so they have been diminished throughout the state. But um, I think one of the advantages to the to the SRO was that they kind of built those relationships and could prevent. It was almost a preventive measure. Is that correct? Uh, it's, it's couldn't be more accurate. The relationship is the key to the success of the school resource officer program. You have to have an officer that you have to pick the right officer, and he has to be able to interact with the students. Uh, the students are very good about telling them what is going on. It's not making them informants, but they will tell you if they're scared, if they're concerned, what's bothering them. Uh, it's just, it's the relationship is the key. Where I believe the from the exterior, the key is the relationship between the law enforcement officials and the school officials. The key inside the school is the relationship between the school resource officer, the students, and the staff. So if we had funding for that, it would be a, probably be a great benefit in almost every single district to have those. It would be an incredible benefit, and there is talk about the federal government allocating resources again through the COPS program, the COPS in school program. I do hope it goes through. Uh, if not, I do think that law enforcement and school officials have to come up with a way to figure out how to continually make their schools safe, continually improve on on the school's safety system, and continually drill. Both should have input in each other's policies on how you're going to respond to the school and how you're going to handle problems. And the key to it is constant drilling. You have to do the drills. You have to participate. The law enforcement has to participate with the required school drills. Uh, my dispatchers are on a first-name basis with Dr. McCartney's secretary. They know she called and said this. they'll be at this school on this day. They, they know when she calls, she knows the dispatcher now. Well, that's one of the most the most powerful people in the school district is the, the superintendent's uh, secretary. Right, Dr. You know, McCartney? Every- well, how would I know what to do every day if I didn't have her? Okay, we're going to go around. Uh, just some final pieces of advice. Uh, you guys have covered a lot. I think it's a lot of good basic stuff. Uh, any, actually, it's something that any district can do. Part of it's the communication. Part of it's the drilling. It's the just doing it on a regular basis. But, uh, Mark, do you have any uh, final pieces of advice that I didn't cover or ask? Well, uh, I'm sure you're aware uh, Nixle and New Jersey School Boards Association are entering into a partnership to bring their services across the entire state, and we're going to those community meetings that you mentioned to try and get the word out. So we're we're there with you to to try and protect our students. Uh, Dr. McCartney, uh, anything that um, you would tell your colleagues that uh, you have found is beneficial that they could all benefit from? Two, two quick points, Ray. Uh, student and staff safety has risen to our top priority. Uh, it's always been at the top of the list, but it's really risen. And you have to make budgetary accommodations for that as your priorities uh, have, have shifted uh, to, to a more uh, important level. And so uh, as we talk about how you fund things, regardless of whether we get outside money, we need to do this. And just a, a follow-up to a point early in the show, you talked about armed guards and, and you heard the chief's reaction. I just want to say that if I need surgery, I want a licensed, certified surgeon to do it. <laughs> okay, I, a point well taken. And, Chief, do you have any uh, brief remarks? In closing, I think that law enforcement school officials, if you cannot afford to have the officer in the school, 
at a minimum, you have to review your policies, review your security procedures. That will not cost you anything. The officer and the administrator are already there, and if there's something that, uh, you know, money is always comes into play, you cannot afford not to have the Nixle system in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I'm not doing it as a commercial for them. We do utilize them. It's so cost-effective. How could, with one email from my phone, I could reach 10,000 people that are registered. The incident that we had in our school with the parents that we thought was a, a entered the building, we weren't sure who it was, we were able to update parents and stop, you know, the flow to the school. People called. Uh, my neighbor called. He said, thanks for the uh, Nixle message. He sent me a text stating my wife was in a panic. I was, a, you know, he had the message and she didn't. Uh -oh. He was able to forward to her, that to her. Uh, okay. Didn't respond to the school. All right, I have to cut you off because we only have a few seconds left. Thank you, all three of you. Uh, Chief, thank you. Well, And Dr. McCartney, thank you. Thank you. And Mark, thank you. And thank you all for listening. Uh, and we'll, our next program will be in a few weeks. Thank, thank you, you and have a good day.